welcome everybody to another episode of Need Some Introduction. I'm your host, Victor, and in today's episode, I'll be giving you a brief rundown of the premiere of the final season of Succession, an episode called The Monsters. After my quick breakdown, I'll be discussing with Sona an instant reaction, discussing the episode immediately after watching it last night. Just a reminder that we've also begun here on the podcast covering the Showtime series, Yellow Jackets. So if you're looking for another show where people that supposedly love each other destroy each other's lives with their toxic relationships and with lots of backstabbing and oftentimes frontstabbing, but also featuring cannibalism, unlike Succession, where the cannibalism is only metaphorical, this is literal cannibalism, (laughs) check out Yellow Jackets and our coverage of it here in the podcast. In the near future, I will also be providing reviews, maybe in bonus episodes somewhere in the middle of the week. I'm still planning to put those out, maybe some shorter episodes with just recommendations in reviews, possibly this week. I'll be covering either in that Yellow Jackets episode or maybe in that stand- in a standalone episode coverage of the new Apple TV Plus series, The Big Door Prize, which premieres on Wednesday, and also a spoiler-free review of the new John Wick film, John Wick 4, the final of the John Wick films, supposedly. I guess there's a question mark now considering how massively popular the film has become. So subscribe so you know when those episodes become available. I do hope you find some new content to watch here in our feed. And with that out of the way, let's get into this episode of Succession, Season 4, Episode 1, The Monsters. As the episode begins, we see that Logan is having yet another birthday party. We're about two or three months beyond the finale of last season. The big blow up where Logan got ahead of his kids who were going to undermine him, planning to take over the company. But Tom, having been taken advantage of one too many times by Shiv and making the move that Shiv would have made herself most likely, undercut him and maybe undercut their plan and is now currently aligned with Logan. Kendall, Roman, and Shiv have come up with a plan to start a new new media conglomerate called The Hundred. Shiv shows up late. She's always, as usual, hedging her bets on this hundred thing and still reaching out to the Democratic presidential candidate to possibly work on his campaign. And this election introduced in last season's set of episodes is going to be central, once again, I think, to this upcoming season. And that election is soon approaching. The kids over and over again seem to be proving that they are just not serious people. Roman, to his credit, seems to be the only one who seriously is excited about this opportunity to start a new company. Meanwhile, Shiv is hedging her bets and Kendall does his usual Kendall thing where he is rah-rah about this idea, but can easily be diverted by any new tidbit of gossip, especially if it's about his dad and the company. Introduced late in last season is Logan's reliance on Carrie, the Carrie character who's been around for a while in the background, but little by little has become more prominent on the show. And Zoe Winters here, the actress playing this role of Carrie has become much more central. As a matter of fact, back at the birthday party, we see that Logan is pretty bored with the actual folks who've turned up for his birthday celebration, is very interested in what's up with his kids who have not reached out to him. And Carrie seems to be his only honest confidant, the only person he does put some trust and faith into. Greg hilariously shows up with some online date 
hookup that he has, <laughs> Carrie immediately calls him out on the fact that he barely knows her and he's basically used this splashy birthday party as a, an excuse to get her get into her pants potentially. And he does indeed get into her pants literally by the end of this episode in yet another hilarious sequence of events. Carrie wants him to get her out of there. He doesn't know who she is, doesn't know what she's doing there. She doesn't have the right vibe, doesn't have the right bag. <laughs> Very superficial decisions against her. But honestly, he truly does not know anything about this woman that he's showing up with. Greg wants to talk to Marsha because Marsha's always had a soft spot for Greg. As is Logan, by the way. But Carrie says, Marsha is shopping in Europe forever. <laughs> so it remains to be seen whether we will see Marsha return on the show. Maybe this actress was busy or maybe indeed in this endgame, she is just out of the show, unfortunately, because she was a very fun character to have. But maybe she will make a cameo towards the end of the season. Remains to be seen. Meanwhile, the siblings are trying to convince themselves that they actually care about this idea. And their corporate doublespeak, this kind of VC doublespeak that you hear on, used to hear, <laughs> I was going to say you still hear it on Clubhouse, which is pretty much dead now, but <laughs> the kind of conversations you used to hear there. And they're trying to convince themselves this is a good idea. They're excited about it. Okay, so we're looking for investment partners for a revolutionary new media brand that's going to redefine news for the 21st century. It's an indispensable, bespoke information hub. And then I go, the hundred greatest experts, best writers, top minds in every field from Israel-Palestine to AI to Michelin restaurants, one-stop info shop, high sorry, calorie I'm info gonna, snacks. I'm just going to take this. I'm taking a call. Okay, all right, Info parcels. Info parcels or info snacks. These info snacks, the concept uh, is their big selling point. This actually could be like Substack or not, not that far from something that actually exists in our current world. And honestly, this is all corporate doublespeak, but given their pedigrees, this is something that they could probably get investors interested in. But of course, this whole thing gets blown up because Tom calls. She may hear that he's been hanging out with Naomi Pierce, but just to let you know, it's not a relationship. It's not sexual. It's just business. So this simultaneously does actually get Shiv a little jealous here, strangely, honestly, but simultaneously raises a flag that the Pierce family is looking to sell PGM. And they all know, the siblings know that their dad has been wanting this property for a very, very long time. They have some investors from Saudi Arabia right outside of this luxurious resort area they seem to have rented out, some air, some luxurious Airbnb or some conference center. And they keep delaying and keep delaying because this news that Shiv relays from Tom gets them all worked up in a completely different direction. They have now completely abandoned ship, pretty much. Even Roman eventually abandoned ship on this idea of starting something new. And they're thinking, can we undercut dad? Can we cock block dad's bid for PGM? And they get very excited about it. Back at the birthday party, Greg's date is very interested listening in and having lots of conversations and maybe playing dumb here because she does seem to be pretty attentive as to what's happening around her. There is an incredible interaction here where we see Connor discussing with Willa his need to maintain his 1% as the election approaches. He is polling at 1% and he's talking about how he needs to spend more where he's soft in some states, maybe another $100 million on top of the probably hundreds of millions of dollars that he's already spent. And multiple times in this episode, we actually have people talk about the reality of just how much money they're talking about. They now are starting to feel, maybe, just maybe, for the first time in their long lives, that there is some limit to the amount of money they can spend. 
and really hilariously, the idea of spending an extra $100 billion, not to gain any ground, not to win, not to gain ground in those states, but simply to maintain the 1% he already has. An undercurrent of this whole entire thing, we live in a world where among these ultra-rich, this is all just funny money for them. And he mentions, of course, he would still be rich if he spent $100 million. So it might be worth spending the $100 million, but it is $100 million. <laughs> and we really think about that, right? It is $100 million that you're just setting on fire because you want to stay at 1% and don't want to slip into the decimals. Because if you slip down to 0 0.6, 0 0.8, you may not be part of the conversation anymore. Honestly, this is pretty delusional. I'm pretty sure at 1%, you're really not part of the conversation anymore. Tom meets with Logan and wants to know, will things still be okay, even if he divorces Shiv? And this is an incredible scene. What great performances here among the, with the actors. Matthew McFadden struggling to have the conversation with Logan without saying the word divorce, and Logan really just giving him nothing. <laughs> with one thing and another, and you know, I'm sure we'll iron it all out, but the rocky old road of life... Um, and the wife part of that can be a difficult part of it, as you know. <laughs> Not to comment, just to say, just to say, it would be great to get your take. You know, hopefully it won't come to that, but in the end, if there is just too much emotional um, shrapnel, I, I, I wondered what your view would be. Not that you necessarily need to have one, but what would happen were a marriage such as mine, and you know, even in fact, mine, uh, if that were to falter to the point of failure. If you and Shiv were to bust up. Right. You know, Shiv and I have had this experiment, this trial separation, but, but whatever happens, you know, we'll always be good, right? If we're good, we're good. Okay. Well, that's heartening. I'm heartened by that. That's great. Jerry! If we're good, we're good. <laughs> Despite Logan toying with Tom here, not giving him what he wants to hear, Logan does seem to have gained some amount of reliance. I mean, he is turning to Tom for the status of the deal. Tom's the one who's giving him the lowdown. Another important point here is that he lies that he's not been in touch with Shiv. So protecting her in a way or protecting himself, still unclear exactly why he doesn't tell Logan. The siblings are going back and forth talking about whether they should go forward with the 100, and Roman's really the only holdout here. They're talking about spending maybe a billion dollars of their own money, maybe even less if they get can raise funding, versus going in and estimating that they're going to have to go over $8 billion to purchase PGM, which would basically be everything that they're getting as part of the sale to Madsen of Royco, and they'll still need to raise more money. So quite a risk they're taking here to go for something established, but by the way, by their own admission, something that has halved in value versus going trying to build something of their own and new. This is all subterfuge, honestly, for the fact that I think they just want to get something that their dad wants <laughs> because their whole universe revolves around their dad. In this parallel action, we're back to the birthday party and we see that Tom and Greg, the most entertaining duo on this whole entire show. I mean, are they going to end up together? <laughs> Is this the ship, the relationship that's going to pan out here at the end of this whole show? They are two peas in a pod. 
really fascinating to think about these two characters as these mirror images. Maybe Greg is the younger version of Tom, but Tom is such a bad influence on him. Uh, and Greg, in a strange way, stays his, he's still somehow able to stay naive enough to be pretty Teflon. Um, nothing really sticks to him. He's been, dodged so many bullets at this point. These two now going by the disgusting brothers, <laughs> taking advantage, Tom, of his single status. And they're in some kind of competition to see who can bed the most women. This part, as part of this, Greg, of course, has brought in some this new girl to this party. Tom fills in Greg on the chatter. He's brought this girl in and she's just not the right type of girl. She's not dressed the right way not the right class of woman to bring to this type of party. And she kind of walks over and proves the point by saying that, that she tried to take a selfie with Logan. <laughs> Time to leave the party, probably. Logan is impatient to hear from Nan. And meanwhile, the siblings have reached out to her via an advisor they have there with them at the compound. And he's feeling her out as well. They decide to make the drive up to Santa Barbara to meet with her. Logan exits his own party, impatient from not having heard from Nan and unhappy with the crowd and probably thinking about his children having burned all those bridges with them. And they head out to eat at a diner somewhere near Central Park, Colin, the bodyguard in tow. While they wait for their food, Logan has an interesting heart to heart with Colin. He respects him in some ways, but kind of ignores his feedback as well. He just wants to have a rhetorical conversation with him and is wondering, what is the value of people? You're my best pal. Thank you. I mean, what are people? Right? What are people? Um, like... In... They're economic units. I'm a hundred feet tall. These people are pygmies. But, together, form a market. Okay. Right? What is a person? It has values and aims, but it operates in a market. Uh, marriage market, job market, money market, market for ideas, etc., etc. Uh-huh. So everything is a market? <laughs> everything I try to do, people turn against me. Nothing tastes like it used to, does it? Nothing's the same as it was. And he's thinking about his mortality. He's losing his family. What is the purpose of life? Is there anything after this? Is this all there is? Is that why he has been so fixated on getting to be a hundred feet tall, to be the master of the universe? And it goes back to that conversation he had with Madsen last year, that at some point, nothing is good enough anymore. The only thing that matters is the deal, is putting everything on the line, and feeling the exhilaration of making the bet and losing it all or making it all. And there's some commentary there that maybe getting too much desensitizes you to everything else. And now in his later age, and what does he have? No family, no friends. I mean, he pays to have someone hang out with him. And what's it all been for? But the party attendees are still there waiting for his return or unaware that he's left. Connor's still trying to Come up with a way. How can he expand or at least maintain his 1%, maybe some kind of free publicity, maybe turning his marriage to Willa into a giant stunt, having it on a ferry under the Statue of Liberty with some apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic <laughs> entertainment we're having, including bum fights. She's not so 
on board after having reluctantly accepted this wedding proposal to turn the whole thing into just some stunt. But he doesn't seem to hear her. Logan's about to return and need to have an emergency meeting about the deal, fearful that the PGM deals may fall through yet again, having heard that there is a competing bid. But before that happens, Greg and Tom have yet another meeting of the disgusting brothers, and he informs him that he hooked up with his date on the way out the door. Tom threatens him saying, you don't realize that this whole place is rigged up with CCTV, every bedroom, every room. <laughs> Greg is terrified by this, afraid that he's, as they say, accidentally made a sex tape for Logan to review at night. Tom also mentions that that's what Logan does every night, pours himself a scotch and watches all the security footage. I don't believe any of this is true, but it does scare Greg, which is Tom's intention. And he talks about how they rummage in each other's pants. <laughs> and Tom wants to know, did you rummage to completion? And he rather keep that private, he says. <laughs> and Tom says, when Logan finds out about this, it's going to be really bad for you. And of course, Logan shows up at that moment, but has much, much bigger concerns at that moment. The siblings have arrived at Nan's compound. Just incredible. Greg never fails to make entertain me. Logan has put together his brain trust because he knows that something's going on with this deal. And pretty soon thereafter, Tom hints at the fact that the competing bid may be the kids, something he knows fully well, but makes it sound like he's just speculating. Greg, as usual, has just walked into this room that he's not supposed to be in. <laughs> and like a motif in this show, how many times have you heard characters say, what is Greg doing here? And Logan over and over again says, it's okay, he's got a right to be here. I do not understand how Greg continues to be in these rooms, but it continues to happen and it is, I'm totally here for it. It's hilarious. Greg is so dead set on telling Logan what happened <laughs> and he's furious. Like, why are you here? What do you need to talk to me about? Uh, and <laughs> Greg suddenly thinks, well, this was a really bad idea, but he does take him aside and they do have that conversation. And much to Tom's dismay, Logan calls him disgusting, but gives him a smirk. He's kind of impressed with this kid. Like, you go for it to be young and dumb once again, which is not what Tom wants. Tom wanted to humiliate Greg in front of Logan, but Logan needs someone to entertain him. As a matter of fact, he asks while they're waiting to hear back, what's the new price going to be for this deal with Nan and the rest of the Pierce decision makers? He says, I want you to roast me. I want you to make jokes. He misses Roman, obviously. He misses that contentious dynamic that he had with the siblings. And I think that's why he likes having Greg around. Greg is, he is still naive enough to entertain Logan in good ways and in bad ways. Nan plays gentle and, oh, I hate this negotiating thing in front of the siblings, but she is playing all of them. And Roman calls her right out on it, right in the middle of the negotiation. No, but really, I fear it is a trip made in vain. The other offer's just too good. Listen, long story short, Nan, you called this right before. Logan wants to take your company and fuck it. He loathes you, and he wants to take your properties and roll them in the dirt, and we wouldn't do that. Look, I think that after this election, we all, as a country, could be in a very bad place. And I could, we would maintain your values. That's all good and well, but obviously, with one thing and another, we have a responsibility to get the best possible deal for my family and the other shareholders. I'm confident that we can be competitive on price. This is very confusing. And I don't want to talk numbers. It's not about the numbers. Totally. Totally. Shall we just say our number, though? Just see if that makes any sense. Oh, I don't like 
like this. Makes me feel like I'm in the middle of a bidding war. Horrible. Different people saying different numbers. Eight, nine. What's next? You know, so confusing. What comes after nine? Nine B? What comes after nine? Greg's the only one who's willing to take a swipe at Logan's command, and it doesn't go well. Come on! Roast me! Where are your kids? Where's all your kids, Uncle Logan? On your big birthday. Where's your old man, huh? Where's your old man? Still sucking cock at the county fair? Jerry, been sent anything funny lately? All a bit horrible for me, thanks, Logan. I'm not being horrible. I'm being fun. Fucking monsters. Okay, very good. Hang on. And then what follows is just a, this incredible sequence in which you see the parallel bidding on this conglomerate, this aging media empire, where Logan comes in at six. You want it to be insulting, but not too insulting. The siblings, so less versed at this, are starting at eight. And then so quickly, so quickly, jump to 10. Don't even go for nine and a half. And Roman calls it out, this idea that what's half a billion dollars? What's half a billion dollars, people? There's a lot you could do with that. They could have started this whole entire other media empire with that as seed money, and it's just thrown in as part of this bid. Let's just round it up to 10, everybody. Let's just round it up to 10. It's just funny money. None of this is real. And they win the bid. And it's interesting because who wins here? Who loses here? Logan is really upset about having lost this deal, but he is smart enough to not go over 10. He knows this thing is definitely not worth that. So he both wins and loses at the same time, because honestly, maybe this was a bad bid even at $8 billion which is probably where he would have had to land initially. So he may have dodged a bullet in not spending this money, especially right before this acquisition, his own company's acquisition. And by the way, the outline of this deal, just as a refresher for last season, there is some vagueness in how the deal was pr proposed by Madsen. This is very much an analog to the Fox deal, where Fox sold off 20th Century Fox, the movie studios, the television networks, all of that to Disney. You have Disney+, Plus. you now see all those Fox properties, The Simpsons, Avatar, et cetera, and many others, of course, under the Disney Plus umbrella. But of course, Rupert Murdoch and Fox News and all the newspapers, Wall Street Journal, all the tabloids he owns around the world, all of that still exists. News Corp, as just the functional news part of the business continues. And that is basically what we're seeing here. Logan is trying to make a similar deal that we saw in the real world, analog to that, dumping off all of his entertainment properties, but maintaining the news infrastructure. And as a matter of fact, theoretically expanding it with this purchase of PGM, a traditionally liberal media outlet to control the conversations basically on both sides of the aisle, theoretically. And this is the deal that's basically falling apart here. But of course, the siblings are going to have to actually figure out how to pay for this deal. I'm not 100% certain at this moment that this thing doesn't still end up in Logan's hands. Logan is very sarcastic as they have TELUS, their consultant on this conference call. And he's saying, sure, why not make it bigger? Why not charge more money? Why not make it a $10 billion deal? He gets a percentage of the deal. So he's going to get a lot more money for this $10 billion deal. He's probably seeing many, many dollar signs. And he's like saying, yeah, sure. Sounds good. Why not? <laughs> and of course, that's the level of feedback he's getting. And Roman sees, of course, this ridiculous irony of this entire situation. 
The $10 billion deal does indeed end the negotiations and the siblings get to leave. And Logan concedes the loss and calls them. Will you speakerphone me, Shiv? Yeah, it's Tom. Hi, hi, okay. So I have your dad and he has a message. Congratulations on saying the biggest number, you fucking morons. I think we got him. I think we got him. $10 billion just to put a little salt in your dad's wound. It's pretty incredible where (laughs) the degrees these people will go to for such petty swipes at each other. But then again, this is all funny money. This is more money than they can spend in a lifetime. So this is all just made up. And if there's some kind of cultural criticism here, which there definitely is, when there's just so much money, when you have so much money, nothing is real. Nothing matters. You can lose it all. You can make it all back. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Shiv goes back to the apartment to pick up some additional clothing. She says hi to the dog, Mondale. And of course, Tom is there. I was wondering, actually, is the dog there by himself? Do they have a dog walker? No, Tom is there still. Apparently, from this conversation, we suss out that they take turns. When one is there, the other one avoids it. She'll stay at the hotel while he's in the apartment and vice versa. But she's shown up unannounced She could have showed up one day later to pick up additional clothes and warned him to not be there. I'm pretty sure she wanted to have this conversation, but he wants to have it all out. And she does not. She still does not. It's her own passive aggressive way of getting in one more dig on him. But I'm not sure it's doing her any favors. There is the betrayal at the end of last season that she has basically been with Tom this whole entire time because he's been submissive to her and that she requires that for whatever reasons. And it blew up in her face. And she's devastated by this and yet will not have the conversation with Tom. Tom will have this conversation with her and he will dig up all of the hurts that she's done to him. And maybe that's what she can't handle. She still probably deep down inside wants to convince herself that she is a good person and that she has some nobility. And maybe she does, at least in her own mind, score some points against him by not allowing them to have the conversation. I actually think it ends up hurting her more than him. And then we have a scene that really does feel like this is maybe truly the end of the marriage in which they just lay next to each other on this bed and just hold hands. And I was honestly surprised at how moved I was by this. I don't understand what Shiv gets from Tom or if she's just still so hurt because she always thought she was in control and he ended up getting, in her mind anyway, the upper hand over her. But Tom has so fully compromised himself as well in being in this toxic family. It just seems like they really should divorce. And yet there's something sad here in this final goodbye. I'm tired, so, but you can, you can stay there if you like. Okay. So this is it, huh? Hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we gave it a go. At the end of the episode, we re- we discover that Logan doesn't sit around at night watching the security footage and fall asleep to that. He actually falls asleep to watching ATN. He does not like, by the way, the look of this overnight anchor. And that's where the episode wraps up. And there's our premiere episode, beautifully performed, beautifully written, relatively quiet from a fireworks standpoint but setting up what could already be some pretty contentious battles in the future. 
and setting up, of course, the context of this approaching deal with Gojo. Will it go smoothly? Will Matson try some funny business to manipulate his stock price yet again? All remains to be seen. Alexander Skarsgård will definitely be returning, of course, and also the election and Logan's investment in the turnout of this election. So that's the initial breakdown. Let's get into that conversation I had with Sona right now. All right, Sona. So we just saw the premiere episode of the final Dead. season, the last season of uh, Succession called The Monsters, something that Logan calls his party goers and I guess his family. I, it, I maybe get save that for the end, if, unless you have a, a, a clear theory on that. Uh, why he calls all these people around him the monsters. Do you happen to know why? I mean, the only thing I could think of is that it's like a family of misfits. And there's that one normal person in the family. So maybe he's like, I'm the Marilyn, right? Wasn't her name Marilyn? I think but so, everybody yeah. thought that she was the freak because they were all so strange. <laughs> I don't huh. know. This is my, you know, off the cuff analysis of, of why. Wow, I, li I like that actually. I really do like that. I hadn't thought about that at the fact that you know you're the outlier within the family. It could be, and if, wow, if all the people, if Logan feels that way, how strange! I, I, maybe that's a really interesting metaphor then, because then if he feels that way, I mean, honestly, I think that's kind of one of the sicknesses, mental illnesses of this family, is that they all feel that way. Like I'm the normal one, and everyone else is crazy, and it's just like, no, you guys are all a total mess. <laughs> it's a funny um, revival too of like with Wednesday coming out and the Adams family, and <laughs> yes, point, you know, like point. it just it feels like all of that same time period, which is just a, a random coincidence, I'm sure, <laughs> or maybe not. I mean, there were several monstrous references, at least two. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So maybe we start from the very end and work our way back because I, that final moment was like so interesting to me. I had two observations about the conversation between Shiv and Tom when she shows up at the apartment and he's there. First of all, I'm curious as to whether she kind of knew he was going to be there. Was she trying to have this very passive aggressive confrontation with him? But more importantly, what I was trying to, what I was curious to get your feedback on was, I thought this was such a beautiful scene and like such a realistic kind of moment of these people dealing with this kind of dissolution of their relationship. So I thought it was just so well performed and so well written. And simultaneously, I do wonder on this show, like I still don't understand Shiv's um, attraction to Tom. I, I don't know if, how you felt about that whole scene. Maybe the cynical part of me was wondering if she had hopes for reconciliation, but now that this deal is done, she knows that it has to be finally a split between them, right? Because that was one of the things that came up is, well, this is awkward with your husband yeah. working for ATN. And she says, we're getting divorced. <laughs> right. It feels like that's the first time she's actually said that out loud. She's still pussyfooting around that with her brothers. And now she's saying it yes. like as a declaration at that moment. Right. It was announced as a separation earlier right. at some right. point. Exactly. I can't recall the context. So I wonder if that to her was the final factor in her decision. I understand what you're saying about it being beautifully written. But I think for me, I think about all the horrible things she's done to him. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I, I feel like this is always the story with Shiv. Kind of some sort of, oh, poor me framing, but also, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you made your bed here. And I think she gives herself more credit than she's due, which maybe most women should give themselves more credit than they do. But like, I think she's taken it a little, she's overcorrected a little bit, I feel. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, that's maybe the interesting through line of this particular episode, or one of many, I sh actually should say, but maybe the one that kind of 
ties together at the end in the beginning is that opening scene where we see her late for this meeting. They are not being serious people about supposedly starting this new media company. We got to mm -hmm. talk about that for a little while because it's so hilarious. And then, of course, the second that they're like, oh, we can maybe get in on this deal because dad wants it. So let's use it just to, you know, just to be cock blockers. That's all they really care about. They immediately drop all their plans. But more importantly is the fact that she shows up late. She's really supposedly a serious person. And we've kind of come around to this last season, I think, in, in our coverage of the show, that she maybe presented herself early on as the most serious possible contender here. And now she, over time, really has revealed herself to be maybe the pettiest Mm -hmm. And I think you're absolutely, I think you're absolutely correct. You know, like it's this wounded side of her that she just uh, feels like she, even though she's never even had like a, a real job, wants to have exactly. this position from her, her dad, just based on her persona, even really just what she presents. And the fact that she has this cachet of being this progressive within this very conservative family. And she just thinks that she's going to ride that out into what, like uh, how, how, how far is that going to get her? And she doesn't seem to take any of this seriously. And to your point, it's the fact that she has been terrible, terrible to Tom every time. She needs Tom to be submissive to her. But then when he is too submissive, she throws it in his face and says, you need to be more assertive. And then here she go, here he goes making a big play, exactly the type of play that she would make. And she feels so wounded by it. It's really the type of behavior that her dad has done to these kids over and over again. Yes. And then she's wounded by it, by her own actions. It's so bizarre. You know, just last season, she's willing to sell him down the river and, you know, yes. get ready for prison lifetime. Exactly. You know, so <laughs> who can blame him for trying to survive? <laughs> Rather than having a conversation about what's going on in the relationship, she's like, well, maybe if he goes to jail, that would be a solution for me. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's simultaneously this really sad moment of uh, this dissolution of a relationship in the moment. <laughs> but at the same time, yes. like I was saying, it's just like this is a completely toxic relationship. Like they should not be with each other. It's actually Agree. the best outcome for them. Yeah. So let's rewind. It's interesting how so much of this is about in some ways, like psychologically um, subverting <laughs> your own feelings because you have the dad at his birthday party and he's making this deal simultaneously to buy Pierce, which is this... Uh, I guess it's like a CNN or actually it's supposed to be a liberal media brand. So maybe closer to like MSNBC, something like that. Simultaneously, they are also uh, making a separate deal where they have a meeting for investors to launch this 100. It's clickbait, but for smart people. <laughs> I think they came up with a great fictional idea because it yes, really sounds yes. like something that absolutely could exist would, in the real world. I totally agree. Could you imagine being like, we are like the kicked out siblings from like Fox or one of these uh, old legacy um, companies and being like, we have all these different political brands. We were, you know, we're, we, we think about startup culture. We think about, we're liberals roman is like basically flirting with fascism it's just like and we're all the, you know, just like we we just want ideas we put it all under one uh umbrella mm -hmm. right? it sounds like something that could be marketable for sure absolutely but it's just interesting that you know obviously in the back of their minds dad's birthday is there and uh his dad and obviously you know we see um logan is also thinking about constantly what are the kids up to what are the kids up to why haven't they called why haven't they texted mm -hmm. <laughs> you knew that they were not, never going to actually start their own media company. Uh, simultaneously, they um, there's so many things going on at this birthday party. We find out a few interesting things here. We have Marsha is shopping in Europe forever, apparently. Forever. So I guess she's so done with this. We're uh, not going to see her again. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe they'll bring her back at some pivotal point where she has to cast a vote or something. But uh, yeah, I think she's not into this marriage anymore. So funny. Carrie's become like his number one confidant here. 
And uh, oh yeah, speaking of the siblings, I forgot completely to bring it up. It's so easy to forget Connor. Connor is the one sibling who just kind of goes <laughs> with the flow, still hangs out with the dad. And he has this whole hilarious side story going where he is basically trying to use his marriage to Willa to create some uh, little bit of a scandal to get some free publicity so that he can maybe, just maybe, keep his 1% of the vote. I mean, that story he was telling about, uh, I forget, barbed wire and bum fights. And it was really <laughs> horrifying, fa- honestly. The wedding on a ferry boat with bum fights and bar. Yeah. And, uh, Right under the Statue of Liberty. Like, this is like the most grotesque version of these kind of uh, political stunts you could imagine. Really? Yeah. So, Willow must be very, uh, feeling very good about deciding to say yes on that, <laughs> that awkward <laughs> marriage proposal from last year. There's so much stuff that happens at this birthday party. Well, we have all of the stuff with Greg's date. Oh, my God. We got to talk about Greg and Tom, by the way. They're the disgusting brothers now. Right? Yes, the disgusting brothers. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I. I loved everything about this date. I love the judgment of her as, you know, not someone who can be integrated into this type of posh family because she's carrying her bag with a recognizable logo. She's eating the canapes too fast. She's asking for selfies. (laughs) Right. Like, I love that, you know, all of these markers of how she does not fit in, which is a very real thing that happens, I think. So I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed Craig's evasiveness, too, of how long has he known her? Is this the first day? He just doesn't want to admit anything about where this girl came from. Carrie immediately starts asking questions about what's her full name, what's her last name, because mm-hmm. it seems that there's a pattern here with the disgusting brothers. Hey, you know, maybe this girl wouldn't be interested in me on, uh, you know, uh, Tinder or wherever he met her. But if I say, hey, do you want to come to this really uh, luxurious bash? She'll say, yes, you're just using this as like lure for hookups. <laughs> and uh, and they probably know full well that that's what's going on. But it's interesting, right? Because it wasn't last year like where he had realized he should be social climbing with his dates. Yes. Yes. Good point. So what Very happened? Point. <laughs> <laughs> well, now he just wants to hook up, apparently. I guess. A little rummaging <laughs> going on. Yes. It's this interesting way that Greg is able to get Tom's goat without intentionally doing it. Tom is the one who's messing with Greg and telling him there's CCTV in every bedroom and he saw everything that happened, which is a way to get Greg to admit that there was this, you know, relatively minor dalliance, you know, what, what he's, mm-hmm. he, he, overs, he oversold it and then kind of I agree. had to come clean with what happened. Then uh, Tom tries to use that as, a, once again, this antagonistic relationship they have where he's like saying, you got to go tell Logan. A- and what an incredible <laughs> turn of events, by the way, where Logan's like, we, all right, everybody, uh, he's returned to the party, by the way. We have to talk about that conversation he has with Colin, by the way, when they run out to the diner just to grab something to eat in the middle of his birthday party. Mm-hmm. But but he has returned and he's like, there's another offer. We have to uh, have an emergency meeting. And he calls out, these are the people who have to be in there, obviously the, his, his decision makers. And Greg, of course, as is like a pattern on this show, is also in the room. He's always <laughs> in the room somehow. He never gets kicked out. He's always in there. And like is interrupting a very, very important conversation to tell him about I mean, this. the timing of that is insane. Yes. <laughs> exactly. But the I fact mean, talk that... about poor judgment. Like <laughs> Yes. But also the shocking fact that he still, after all this time, has not figured out how to read the room ever. Like it's it's incredible. It's really incredible. <laughs> but of course, like uh, 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 Logan ends up kind of getting him a little smirk, which of course gets Tom even more annoyed because the thing that was supposed to humiliate him actually ends up ingratiating him slightly. 
to. I too thought, at least at the beginning, that yes, Tom is just screwing with him, trying to get in his head and create some chaos for his own entertainment. And I guess, you know, at the end of this, we don't really know for sure, but that was my sense of things. Yeah, I I agree. (laughs) I certainly don't think that Logan unwinds with a scotch every night and watches (laughs) any CCTV footage anyway, even if that does exist. Well, we have discovered now, right, that every night he is watching uh, the uh, overnight coverage on the right (laughs) of ATN and he is not happy with the coverage. He thinks that the host looks like a ball sack with a toupee. (laughs) Can't disagree. I did have a very, very mini, <laughs> looking head, not photogenic, not not the right, not what you expect your anchor to look like when you have the TV on for sure. Um, yeah. So let's jump back. I kind of skipped around the, you know, Logan leaves his party. I think he's really having a moment of crisis when he's thinking about how he's lost his wife, he's lost his kids. It's his uh, birthday, so we all reflect yeah. on on our own mortality on our birthdays. And he has this whole conversation, like, what are people? And he that's how he sees people, right? Like, what did you think about this philosophy he has on life? I mean, for a second, it felt like a bad undergraduate class where I'd sit there the front <laughs> first day and go, I'm in over my head here. I got to drop this class. <laughs> like, what are people? People are a market. How do we capitalize on the market? Yeah, I think he's kind of just having this feeling of what's it all for anyway? Then saying, well, if this is all there is, then go for it. Write it all out. Because after this, there's nothing more. What he doesn't say is what's interesting in saying that it's as if he's trying to think about these individuals that apparently can hurt him so badly. But then he's trying to say, but what are people? People are peons. He literally says this at one point, right? Like mm-hmm. he's like a, you know, a God among men. And these are just like little peons. Individually, they have no power. However, they're the marketplace, right? They're actually my consumers. So he's thinking about how he just sees people as completely transactional having probably no self-awareness at all, how can these people who are just these little pawns on the chessboard that he just pushes around, how can they have so much emotional power on him? But he can never admit that. He can never admit that. I don't know that he collectively believes there's him and there's people. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of sounds that way though, don't you think? There's no steps in between of like, but then there are the people that are my children. Then there are the people who are also billionaires, whatever classification it may be. I do agree it was presented that way, but I don't think anyone could possibly just see it as me versus all the peons. I take your point that he doesn't really honestly believe that it's that simple because he definitely has been even politically, I should say, even financially outmaneuvered. I mean, right, the company was going to go belly up if he didn't get this purchase in place. So he, I think he has understands those limitations. But at the same time, I think he really does feel like, hey, I can decide who the president is. I can decide. Like, he really does feel like if I want something, I can get it. And that may not be true anymore, but I don't think Mm. he has let go of that belief yet. Maybe. So speaking of this, uh, you know, being emotionally manipulated by people who don't even know that they're manipulating you, let's talk about this incredible lead up to this really amazing, I thought absolutely amazing conversation around the purchase of the Pierce, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm, uh, network, mm -hmm. the worst negotiators of all times. But just the fact that (laughs) Nan is manipulating them all by saying, oh, I hate talking about this. Uh, I love, by the way, to talk about money. (laughs) Eight, nine, what comes next? Oh, so embarrassing for me. (laughs) What could possibly come after nine? Roman, I think funnier than ever, you know, or funny as always (laughs) in this episode. And I just love his irreverence that in the room with her, he's still making these comments. (laughs) Exactly. So, so on brand, even though. Mm -hmm. 
And then, of course, this leads to the whole thing where <clears throat> they go in and they go in way too high on their bid. That this is obviously the reason they had to break up the party was that you know there's a competing bid. Logan finds out that it's the kids. He starts getting really mad about this. He's really, I actually thought he was going to do something completely outlandish and go even higher, which would potentially blow up his entire deal that he has with- um, The Gojo deal. Madsen, Madsen. Madsen, okay. Exactly. But he doesn't. He's smarter than they are. Although it does speak to the fact that he has made fun of them for being you know, irrational actors, and they are obviously being irrational actors here, to be honest, but simultaneously- has the apple fallen that far from the tree? Because Logan should not be paying this much for this mm -hmm. company. He's about to get out of this. And he just really has for the longest time, for the at least the entire history of this series, but of course, even earlier, has wanted to go after this property, right? And he thinks he's finally going to get it here in the 11th hour. And he gets up undercut by his own uh, kids. So what, what do you think about this? Like as financially, like obviously we don't know all the financial details here, but I think this financially sounds like a terrible idea to go in this high with this bid or maybe to go in this bid at all. Primarily, it seems like they are both making this bid there at the end to get at each other, which is obviously always a bad <laughs> business idea. I mean, I loved how Logan sums it up at the end of congratulations on saying the highest number. Right. <laughs> um, exactly. Because it does seem to be like divorced from rationality in that it's just like, well, in the end, I said the higher number than you did. And that's all this is based on. I love the conversations between the siblings that started at the house um, when they're talking about the hundred and then, you know, as they're moving on to go talk to Nan and all of that dynamic, I thought was really interesting. I loved Roman trying to be the voice of reason, talking about, you know, you're increasing by half a billion dollars. Do you understand how much that really is? Do you understand all the things we could buy with <laughs> exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> so, That's 1,000, I mean, 1,000, and now 500 of those. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I think um, the show did a good job of showing us that this has become divorced from rationality and is more emotional than it should be. You know, and I also loved that Tom either knows the business well enough or knows Shiv well enough to ballpark the number that they're coming in at, right? Because right, he guesses right. and he guesses right. So, you know, he knows something about what's going on, whether it's based on personal dynamics or economics, I'm not sure. All of it was really well done and fun to watch. And I say that as someone who is not super into finance at all. But I thought this was very entertaining, the way they put it together. I uh, also just caught up recently on the show Industry, which I highly recommend. And that show is so detailed on what's going on in the finances that it's a, like a complete foreign language. And you just have to like feel the vibes and know what's going on because the finances are so obscure that it's impossible to follow. Uh, and simultaneously, it I think it's the point to say that in the end, these are just people who don't even understand what they're selling. They're just salespeople, right? And I think there's something a little bit of that here. Uh, in, two, in one way where it's similar is that it's making the same point that at this point, this is all funny money for these people. Like none of this money is real anymore. They're so rich. They, it doesn't even matter. Another half a billion dollars. Who cares really? And that point is almost uh, made also earlier. Uh, they're talking about spending the money on the ad time. For the one percent right. oh, share, yeah, hundred million dollars for one percent. Yes, the hundred million dollars, and well, would you to still be it, rich? I'd still be rich, 1%. but I'd have a hundred million dollars less, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're talking in those types of terms, that's pretty insane in in my mind. 
<laughs> yeah, could you imagine that? That that's where he starts to. He's already spent. At one point, he says, "I've already spent so much money." So he maybe has spent hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm, up until this point. Mm-hmm. And now that extra hundred million, and you know, Will is kind of like, "Well, you already spent. Who knows? Two hundred, three hundred million dollars. It's only one hundred million more." But he's think about that. He's at that point where it's like, "Well, another hundred million. That might start." hurting a little bit. <laughs> the 100 million might yeah, it might start squeezing me a little bit. And it's similarly where they're like, hey, what's another half billion? You know, mm-hmm. it's like as if they really have no sense of money at all. Concept of it. Yes. So I think that's the critique that's also made in that show industry. Like I mentioned, where it's different than industry, I wanted to call out there is that I feel like in industry, they're talking their own language and you're just kind of, like I said, just feeling vibes really. Here, I feel like you still understand what they're doing. Like they're mm-hmm, doing a good mm-hmm. job of getting you to understand what the machinations are, even even if you don't have to really understand it. But to that point, I, I find it funny that, do you think that Nan is basically the one who's playing them all? Oh, absolutely. I have a migraine. Yeah, all of it, all of but it. The, but, but the price point, right? She's saying eight, nine, what mm-hmm. else could be, what could yes. be this? And yes. she knew, knows that she's not going to get a 10 offer from uh, Logan. And then guess what? Like the kids are out there, their second bid, they're already up to 10. And guess what? And Han told them basically, I want to hear 10. And they they say 10. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Logan's like, congratulations. You said the number she told you to say. <laughs> you win. <laughs> <laughs> Figuring out that uh, tricky logic puzzle of eight, <laughs> exactly. nine, what comes next? <laughs> exactly. And they're so clueless that they're not even thinking like 9.2. They're going 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, congratulations, guys. And of course, you also see how Logan's coming in at six. So he's trying to get up to like, you know, he's hoping to sweat them out to an eight. He's not trying mm-hmm. to give them a 10. <laughs> and by the way, just speaking of the terrible finances of this, I just think about how all these traditional media companies are in the real world going down in value. And on the show itself, they're literally talking about how this MSNBC, CNN, whatever this analog is, is now worth 50% of what it was before. So they're going to pay that. $10 billion now, not eight. They're going to pay $10 billion for something that theoretically went from $16 billion down to $8 billion. Now, how do they recoup this money over you know, uh, time when they admittedly are saying the value of not only their company, but Roy, the Logan, um, the Royco company has also gone down in value. That's why they have to do this merger. So mm-hmm. what is, once again, it's like pure ego. Where's the expectation that you're ever going to make money when you're desperately trying to get into this business, which by your own definition is losing value right now. Like what is this plan? It's instead of taking a risk and maybe starting a new company and spending $1 billion instead of 10, Mm -hmm. and maybe you succeed or maybe you fail, but buying a company that's halved in value and will probably eventually have in value is pretty much not gonna recoup. Like your entire nest egg, when the purchase goes through, they'll have about $8 billion was their calculus. And now they're going to have to raise right. another $2 billion just to make this deal. It's it's insane. Mm-hmm. It's utter insanity. Yeah. But I guess they're so fixated. And that's why I'm curious about like who won here. Because on the one hand, they're putting their entire necks on the line here. On the other hand, they'll still be very rich, even if it's half the money disappears. But on the le- <laughs> final hand, <laughs> it really hurt Logan's feelings. Logan desperately wanted this. So, hey, in that way, they won, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. If they really wanted to hurt his, you know, his ambitions, they got him. So- I got one more question for you, unless you wanted to touch on anything else in the episode before we get to it. I really did enjoy the phone conversation. I I mentioned it before. Congratulations on saying the highest number, but (laughs) also um, 
the interactions with Carrie were so harsh. Um, oh my god! Also oh my god! So funny. Yes. <laughs> oh, before I get to my final question, I actually have one more thing I wanted to mention that, to to ask you about that I didn't mention here was when they were sitting around waiting to hear you know back from Nan and the rest of the Pierce uh, Mind Trust. And Logan is asking these people to roast him, and everyone's too afraid yes. to roast him. Yes, <laughs> except for Greg, who is just yes. Oh my! Gosh. Oh my Greg, gosh! Hysterical. And my last, um, my last completely superficial note will be that Roman, consistent with his character, still wearing shirts that are just a, a little, little bit too, too small. Too <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right, so here is my final question for you, which is: I just read today. Uh, an interview or part of an interview with Jesse Armstrong, the creator of the show. He said that he does promise part of the reasons he wants to end the show this year is because he did promise this show is called Succession. And I do not want to keep pussyfooting with the audience for another five years about who's going to succeed. There will be a succession basically at the end of the season. So now just like, like White Lotus or something, <clears throat> and maybe very intentionally, maybe very intentionally you're trying to create this kind of puzzle box conversation because it does work, right? It makes these shows very popular. I think we can start doing our week to week. If you had to bet today, Sona, put money down. We had to make a bracket, <laughs> March Madness style. Who of these people is going to be the successor at the end of the line here? There's a part of me that wants to say Tom. Uh, I do too. Yes. <laughs> or Greg. Right? Greg would be great. It would be great if Greg somehow accidentally <laughs> ends up with... <laughs> I mean, that would be hysterical, but I feel like the only way it happens is if there's a plane crash that takes out everybody else on the show. I feel like, you know what? Greg has always been like this kind of like stealth mode throughout the whole entire show. And I always feel like, what is Greg still doing on the show? You know, he was kind of our outsider looking in at the beginning, but like, why is he still there? And I'm like, maybe he gets in there somehow. He's <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that would be incredible, right? It really would. I'm going to say Greg now, just because it's the most fun option, although I don't have any rationale for it. But I, I also feel it. like <laughs> I feel like everybody else is really not positioned in any way, except for maybe Tom. Tom maybe has the credentials. He almost makes sense in that role. Mm -hmm, uh, and I could mm -hmm. imagine like, you know, something happens, maybe Tom steps in. He's already the head of ATN right now, so maybe it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I would love for Greg to end up at the top of the hill. That would be incredible. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. So funny. All right, so that all remains to be seen. So thank you again for the conversation, and we will find out more next week, I'm sure. Can't wait.